the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Uh, welcome to the show on a Tuesday night. Uh, plenty to do today as NFL free agency technically has not started yet. Technically, it's supposed to start tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Yet, uh, there are signings or at the very least reported agreements left and right all throughout the NFL. And it has not been a banner day yet for the Jets or Giants who have both struck out on their top targets uh, in free agency here. So we'll get you all caught up on the madness that has been that uh, as far as the NFL goes. Uh, but we'll begin with the Mets here for a bit. We will have Manish Mehta covers the Jets for the Daily News with us uh, at 635. Uh, quite a few tidbits, uh, and, and maybe a little bit more than that with our first story as far as the Mets go today. Uh, but one uh, more terrible news for David Wright, and it's not surprising uh, if you have been following David Wright trying to get back out on the field, trying to get past the spinal stenosis and the various other injuries that have popped up, including off-season shoulder surgery. You know you haven't seen him a game in spring training. You haven't seen him on a field uh, thus far in spring training. He's always a uh, presence in some way, shape, or form, but he hasn't really been as a baseball player this spring. Uh, and today, the Mets announcing that Wright will be shut down for two months as he continues to have shoulder and lower back issues. And now you, know, you start extrapolating out two months. You're talking about close to Mother's Day. You're talking about mid-May when he could even begin uh, baseball activities again. And you know, then starting up the process, and uh, as we know, it, it seems to be uh, quite unlikely that David Wright will ever be able uh, to to truly play and to get back on the field uh, with the New York Mets. And you know, he tried to make it back last year at the end of the season down in the minor leagues, and you know, couldn't quite make it before he needed multiple off-season surgeries and uh, it appears you know the end is, is near even if David Wright won't admit it won't, whether it's not admitting it to himself or just uh, wanting to give absolutely every effort possible to get back on the field and not leave any stone unturned that's the way that uh, he has put it when asked by reporters uh, but uh, again you know another sad story you know revolving around David Wright and just how uh, tall a hill he has to climb to try to get back out on the field for uh, the New York Mets then otherwise uh, you have Noah Syndergaard he will be the opening day starter for the New York Mets struck out five and four and two-thirds against the Houston Astros earlier today and Syndergaard's had a phenomenal spring training Uh, it would have been Jacob deGrom's job but the back stiffness cost deGrom some time early on spring the Mets don't want to rush him. Uh, He's still going to start that first week of the season, uh, but for game number one, opening day, Thursday afternoon against the St. Louis Cardinals, a couple of Thursdays from now, uh, it'll be Noah Syndergaard on the hill. So a second straight year, Syndergaard gets the nod as the opening day starter. Would have liked to see DeGrom get the opportunity, but you got to do what's best for the team now, you know, not what a guy earned uh, last year. And, you know, maybe DeGrom, if he, you know, cares so much about being an opening day starter and he sounded certainly eager when we had him on the show prior to spring training to have that opportunity hey all you gotta do is go out there and be better than Noah Syndergaard this year 
I have a little uh, a little motivation, uh, I, I guess. But, um, you know, if Syndergaard is healthy, boy, uh, the sky is the limit for what he is capable of. And, and we have seen that over the course of this spring training. But, um, you know, he'll uh, Syndergaard will get the opening day nod, and that'll be that. Uh, you had an injury scare today, which uh, it's a little odd how it went down. Uh, but Ioannis Cespedes, uh, right wrist soreness, had an x-ray today. It came back negative. So you might say, okay, shrug, no big deal. What is odd about it, as Anthony DeComo described in a tweet today, is that uh, Cespedes has been playing through this over the course of the last week. Now, if it's something that's you know fairly significant, it's significant enough that they wanted him to have an x-ray, why am I pushing him to play through it in spring training? Um, so he gets scratched today. Uh, it apparently happened in a game, you know, a week ago, uh, swinging, you know, on a, on a Tuesday. Uh, he's played, you know, as Tacoma said, three times since then. X-rays this morning, they are negative, and, you know, Cespedes is only allowed to speak to the media for 90 seconds about that. A big focus for the Mets this offseason is cleaning up these injuries so that, you know, when you want a Cespedes as a quad or a hamstring, you're not rushing them back after a couple of days, and then... All of a sudden, instead of pulling something, he's tearing something. He's out for two months. These are the kind of things that the Mets are supposed to be better with. And this is the first example that we really have so far this spring training of scratch your head. What are they thinking in this situation? And maybe it was minor until it got worse. And now they want an x-ray it. But this is the first time I think that, hey, why are you pushing them? It's spring training. There's no reason for him to be playing if something's bothering him, uh, especially if it's serious enough that you're going to have it x-rayed. And now uh, we'll see how the Mets handle Cespedes from here on out. Uh, but, uh, you know, at least a few days off, you would think. And then uh, he can get back to it. Even with the wrist injury, he did hit a home run uh, this past weekend. So it's not something that's totally debilitating for him. And again, X-rate's negative. I think it's more just, you know, the process of, of how you know this goes down. These are the kind of things that the Mets have to be better at this year and have focused so much on over the course of this offseason. Uh, some good news. Michael Conforto expected to play in a Grapefruit League game next week. That's a big thumbs up uh, as he is making great progress. You know, the date in mind had been May 1st uh, for Conforto. And he keeps pushing this. He might be able to return in April. Uh, so you can get into some game action next week. He'll need some time to get the timing down, be ready to go. But uh, you start to think, well, without any setbacks, maybe you could creep it up a little bit. And, you know, he could be a factor sooner rather than later. And Conforto. He's as good a hitter as the Mets have, in all respect to Cespedes, but uh, what Conforto did last year, he can hit for power, he can hit for average, he can get on base, he can make some things happen while he's on the bases. Uh, a huge plus for the Mets if they could get him back at some point in the first month of the season. Uh, also, Mike Puma in the New York Post reported that the Mets could be shopping Juan Ligaris uh, and that there might be interest from an American League team. Brandon Nimmo's had a great spring. Brandon Nimmo should be seeing the majority of the, the bats out there in center field until Conforto comes back. Still wouldn't be in a big rush to deal Ligaris because uh, you have Cespedes, who's an injury liability and has been in the last couple of years. Conforto's coming back from the shoulder. You know, Jay Bruce could move to first base if you wanted to, but they don't have a ton of depth out there in the outfield, and they don't have a true center fielder. So it is valuable having Juan Lagares come in, even if he's just a defensive role player in the eighth and ninth innings to shut down a game in center field. If you don't think his bat's ever going to come around, 
so be it. But he is something that is needed for this Mets team, a true center fielder. You know, they try to, you know, fake it with Michael Conforto in center field. And Conforto's okay out there, but he's not a big league center fielder. There aren't a whole lot of other teams in the league that will be playing Conforto every day at that position. So Ligaris backs you up there. He provides defense. I think you know, he's a fine role player for this team. He might not be the player you thought he was going to be when you signed him the extension a few years ago, but unless you're getting something that's going to help this team now, I'm not looking to move Juan Ligaris uh, if I'm the New York Mets. So uh, a couple things going down there. Uh, you know, would like to see Jay Bruce get some playing time at first base. We still haven't seen that yet. If uh, Conforto's going to come back soon and Nimmo's playing as well as he is, if it protects you in case Adrian Gonzalez uh, has an issue. But uh, that's basically what's happening at, at Mets camp today. And, of course, we'll have Mets baseball coming up for you. Uh, 7 o'clock tonight, Mets-Nationals, uh, the game. And they had a split squad today. So Syndergaard was able to throw against the Astros. And then they'll have uh, the second half, the, the second part of the unit, uh, take on the Washington Nationals tonight. I guess I can mention, too, Tim Tebow uh, will not make the Major League roster for the New York Mets. He was cut from Big League camp today, I know. Uh, super disappointing, super shocking. 11 strikeouts and 19 plate appearances in the bigs for Tebow, or at least in Big League camp. He could still you know, make an appearance or two, as he did last year. But a new swing, it looks better. Uh, the results weren't there, though. One hit in those 19 plate appearances. So uh, Tebow goes to minor league camp. All right, NFL free agency, uh, the story of the day in sports. Kirk Cousins, not going to be a Jet. Who is lined up to be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets? Uh, we'll tell you that. Well, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News come on at 635. Uh, how bad a day was it for the Jets and the Giants, who, again, each lost out on their number one target as both these teams try to remake their rosters after uh, not so great uh, 2017 seasons. Uh, so that's coming up. Uh, we can mix in some calls, 800-321-0710. Mets baseball coming up at 7. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. NFL free agency, it has been madness really all day with report after report after report it's so hard to wrap your head around what is happening in nfl free agency because it happened so fast so fast in fact that free agency technically hasn't even begun and yet it's already been uh at least a strike one for the jets and the giants over the course uh, of this free agency so uh the jets are the more interesting team because they're the one hunting for a starting quarterback through free agency Kirk Cousins, their number one target, wouldn't even entertain a meeting with the Jets. Visited the Vikings. That is where he will go. Three years, $84 million, fully guaranteed uh, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings. So less than $30 million per year we thought he might get, but uh, probably didn't try to get top dollar. Probably would have been offered more by the Jets had they had an opportunity. But this is the issue for the Jets, and I never thought, that Cousins was the best thing that could happen to them this offseason. I think the best thing that can happen to the Jets is they go through the draft and land a Sam Darnold or a Josh Allen, especially uh, maybe a Josh Rosen if you you know are a big believer in him. Uh, I'm not so into Baker Mayfield, but one of those three quarterbacks at the front, those are the guys that I think the, the Jets 
you could say it's a successful offseason. Their quarterback position has the ability uh, to be you know, championship-worthy at some point in the not-too-distant uh, future. So uh, that's why I've looked at the Jets. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a heart set on Kirk Cousins in any way, shape, or form. But I, I do think it's telling that the Jets, they've been under Mike McCagden and Todd Bowles for three years. And I understand that for whatever reason, when those two came aboard, they tried to build a winner right away. They didn't make the playoffs in those two years. Won 10 games, one of them, whoop de doo And then uh, now they started the rebuilding process, they could argue, last offseason. So you could say it's only been a year. But those guys have been in place for three years, and they haven't been able to build enough of an infrastructure on this Jets team to even get a meeting with Kirk Cousins, the top free agent quarterback, with the exception of Drew Brees, who you knew was going back to New Orleans, uh, but you know they couldn't even get that meeting. And this is something that you know there are two ways to go about that quarterback position. You could build it through the draft and go that way, or you could sit and wait and build a great defense and have a team that's ready to win now and hope that Peyton Manning leaves the Colts and becomes a free agent. Hope that. Brett Favre uh, pops through it and becomes a free agent. It didn't work out that well for the Jets, but it certainly did for the Vikings the next year. Or, you know, in the case of Kirk Cousins, uh, the Vikings, they have an infrastructure. They have a defense. They have a coach that's well-respected. They have a couple of receivers that are weapons. Delvin Cook could be back as a running back. That's a team ready to win, a team that made it to the championship game last year, uh, even without having an established quarterback. And that's where the Jets are still so far behind these other teams. They don't have an infrastructure where a quarterback can say, hey, I imagine myself on this team and we're going to win games. Even with Kirk Cousins, the Jets are merely a playoff contender, not a championship contender. Uh, and in that's, you know, if they went out and spent this. 70 plus million dollars that they have to spend over the course of free agency. So what do the Jets do once Kirk Cousins spurns them? They turn around and sign Josh McCown, which on its face, solid. McCown seems to want to be a coach in the league down the line, so he could come in, he can help mentor that next young quarterback that you're able to take in the draft. Uh, the things that jump out at me, they're paying them $10 million. Now, for the Jets, maybe it doesn't matter that much. they got to spend all this money against the cap anyway. It's not like they've had player after player you know, dying to come through the door and join the Jets. So maybe they overpay Josh McCown. But there's the idea, and this is the report, that McCown's going to come in and be the starting quarterback. I don't know why you're guaranteeing anything to Josh McCown. If he's going to show up to camp as the presumptive starter and somebody's going to have to overtake him, I'll deal with that. But you cannot promise Josh McCown he's going to be the starting quarterback. If he gets outplayed, whether it be a rookie, whether it be they go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater, best guy plays. That's got to be the situation for the Jets at quarterback. Can't be making any promises. I don't care what he did last year. McCown was solid uh, for the Jets last season, but that can't play into what they're trying to do in 2018. So uh, the Jets, they're supposedly still in on Teddy Bridgewater and I think it would be a home run if they do end up with McCown, Bridgewater, and a rookie quarterback with the number 6 pick in the draft and they have an opportunity to you play McCown if you have to, but he's basically a coach, 
And I'm not giving him a lot of reps in training camp. If the you know worst comes to worst, he's got to be the starting quarterback. So be it. But Bridgewater gives you some upside, and maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe he can stay healthy. He was effective for a short period of time as the starting quarterback in Minnesota. Why not? I'd rather take a chance on someone like Teddy Bridgewater than bring in Sam Bradford. You know exactly what he is, and you're not making the playoffs anyway. You, know, you don't need a, a Band-Aid in this spot. And you want to try to hit a home run, at least a double, uh, with the opportunity you have. But it'll still come down to who the Jets draft, are they able to develop him, and, and that'll be the big story for the Jets. But that's the way it's played out quarterback-wise. Uh, you end up Sam Bradford did sign with the Cardinals. He got $20 million, 15 of it guaranteed. He's made about $150 million in his career, Sam Bradford. Losing record, constantly injured, and he has he's done well for himself. Uh, Case Keenum to the Broncos, Drew Brees back to the Saints, so that's been the quarterback carousel as of now. A.J. McCarron uh, still waiting to find a home, and it looks like he's going to have a tough time uh, ending up as a starting quarterback anywhere. As for the Giants, uh, they jumped on. Andrew Norwell, or hope to jump on him. Uh, you know, one of the better offensive linemen available over there at left guard. And Tom Coughlin and the Jaguars scooch in and end up landing Norwell as the, the price got a little bit too rich. Uh, the Giants, though, reportedly in on Jonathan Stewart, the former running back from the Carolina Panthers. Isn't he 80? I mean, he's still going strong. He would be running in at the goal line last year on the red zone channel. Be like, Jonathan Stewart's still in the league? He could still power it in. Uh, He's not a bad running back, but he doesn't do anything for me. He's 30 years old, uh, Jonathan Stewart, which running back years is up there. Frank Gore is the only running back I can think of in recent years that doesn't seem to age. Everybody else, you hit 30 years old, and that's it. Look at how Adrian Peterson fell off a cliff and what he did in Arizona. He had like one good game with the Cardinals, and that was it. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Jonathan Stewart's not going to change the run game for the Giants, not going to make them an instant contender, and and they didn't manage to do a whole lot as far as the offensive line is concerned, at least not at this early stage uh, of free agency, and that's uh, something that they obviously desperately need. Uh, And the Jets reportedly in on Isaiah Kroll on a three-year contract. I think Adam Schefter of ESPN had that. Uh, So they do grab a running back, a little younger, not very exciting either, uh, but, you know, a need after Matt Forte, uh, you know, retired after this year. So we'll, we'll dive into the Jets because uh, there's a lot interesting there as far as how that quarterback room will play out. Manish Mehta, New York Daily News, covering the Jets, will be with us when we come back. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Uh, NFL free agency uh, playing out as it's the non-tampering deadline that has passed. Uh, so tamper away that the teams are doing, even if free agency technically uh, begins tomorrow. And we bring on right now Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. And it's been quite the day in NFL news here uh, so far, Manish, huh? <laughs> yeah, the first couple of days before the actual uh, official start of free agency, is where most of the work gets done, and you know, at four o'clock tomorrow, you'll get the official word. But uh, for all intents and purposes, I think uh, much of the NFL fan base uh, has got a glimpse into 
what I would say, what, 75% of the quality players in free agency, uh, you know, what they're doing, where they're headed. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's wild to try to keep track of. As far as the Jets go, uh, you know, busy as far as quarterback goes, reportedly one year, $10 million with, with Josh McCown. Uh, and then what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater? What's the latest of the Jets negotiations with the former Vikings quarterback? Well, they would like to bring him in. Uh, what's interesting to me is uh, – why Teddy Bridgewater would like to come into the Jets situation because if I'm Bridgewater and I'm looking at this realistically look the Jets have Josh McCown who was a veteran leader for them and uh, he'll he'll probably assume that same role to begin this season but the difference between this year's Jet quarterback room and last year's Jet quarterback room is that they are also going to have a first round pick in that building and whether that's the number six pick or whether the Jets have to trade up to four, three, or even two to get their quarterback. They're going to get a quarterback in this draft. So if you're Teddy Bridgewater, 25-year-old player, a former starter, helped your team get to the playoffs a few years ago before that knee injury obviously sidelined you for a couple seasons, why would the Jets be attractive? Now, I understand from a Jet perspective, you kind of want to throw as many darts at the quarterback board as possible uh, to kind of fortify that position group uh, while ultimately keeping an eye on your future franchise quarterback, which isn't even on the roster yet. That guy's not going to be on the roster for a couple months. But if you're Bridgewater, at this stage of your career, I'm not exactly sure being sandwiched between a veteran in Josh McCown and a future franchise guy, TBD, really makes much sense. But you know, they're talking to him. They want to bring him in, and we'll see if he ultimately decides that New York is the best place for him. But for me, if I'm him... I don't know why the Jets would be more appealing than some other places. Well, let's say that scares off Teddy Bridgewater and he decides to go somewhere else. Why Josh McCown? And it's not as if the Jets got some sweetheart deal uh, for him. They're paying him $10 million. Why McCown over Teddy Bridgewater, who you know clearly would have the higher ceiling, although you know it certainly carries some health risk? Yeah, that's a great question. And my understanding uh, is that there are people in the organization who are you know, fairly uh, concerned, or, or I guess have, a, or I should say, have a you know a legitimate concern about Bridgewater's health. Now he's obviously healthy enough to suit up, and he took a couple snaps, threw a couple passes for the Vikings late in the season, so uh, he's beyond you know that stage in his rehab. But there is a, a fair question about whether he can ever regain the form that he had prior to his injury. But I, I'm with you. Look, this guy has uh, obviously much more upside than Josh McCown, so. In my mind, a McCown rookie quarterback pairing or a Teddy Bridgewater rookie quarterback pairing would make a lot of sense. Just putting all three of those guys uh, in the same room together just doesn't make that much sense. But look, McCown uh, brings a lot of intangibles uh, into that building. He quickly became a leader in that organization. I don't foresee that changing. He he really has a a terrific way about him in terms of relating to uh, younger and older players. And the the on-field production, I should say, last year speaks for itself. You do, however, have to keep in mind that this is a guy who's going to be 39 years old this summer. He does have a history of injury. Clearly, he didn't finish last season because of injury. So, uh, again, I think... uh, the explanation here is that the Jets really want to throw as many options into that room as possible, and that's why they're they're hoping to bring in Teddy Bridgewater along with Josh McCown, uh, along with 
the guy that they're ultimately going to draft in the first round. Sure, and we're talking again with Manish Mehta, the New York Daily News. How about that price tag for McCown? He's coming off his his best season, but it it seems like a, a lot of money for you know what is basically a replacement level starting quarterback in the league. Um, you know, how about the Jets financially here? Do they they have to find a way to spend a lot of this money they have available this off season? Does it? Does it not necessarily hurt them that much to maybe overpay uh, for a quarterback considering you know what their cap situation is? Well, I'd like to see what the, the final structure yeah. of the deal is. I want to see if there's any in-game bonuses tied to the $10 million or if it's a fully guaranteed $10 million. I don't think it's going to be a $10 million base salary. So we'll find out in the next 24 hours or so what the exact structure is. But to, the larger point is, look, they, they've got $90 million in salary cap space. That is more than anybody else in the league. Uh, they don't have to necessarily spend every penny of it. Obviously, you have to allot a certain amount to your rookie class, and you want a contingency uh, as well once the season starts. But uh, will the Jets, quote-unquote, overpay for some guys uh, over the next week or so? Probably so. Uh, will, will that ultimately hurt them? Probably not. Uh, you know, They had a lot budgeted for Kirk Cousins, and when that no longer became an option uh, if you're you know, a glass-half-full guy, a guy who wants to look at the silver lining, you can say, well, that's more money they can use to address more areas of need because they clearly have plenty of deficient areas on this roster. Uh, you know, I, I said all along that I thought Cousins was the best option for them. I thought that made the most sense. That being said, when you look at the long-term health of this organization, maybe not necessarily the short-term health of this regime, but the long-term health of this organization, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Jets to take this route. You know, a veteran or two uh, paired with a uh, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, you know, whoever they ultimately end up getting. That might be uh, the best for this organization. Again, I don't know if Mike McCagnan and or Todd Bowles are going to be around to see the fruits of that labor mm-hmm. uh, down the road, but uh, I don't think the Jets are in dire straits here. As an organization, if you're a fan of this team, the fact that they, they didn't get Kirk Cousins I think hurts for sure, but I, I think ultimately when we look back you know, seven, eight, nine years from now, perhaps if they hit on this quarterback in the first round, this would have been the best thing for the franchise and the fan base. Yeah, I didn't think they'd be better served paying Cousins uh, 30-something million dollars a year against the cap. I'd rather take a chance on you know, a rookie quarterback. They could go out and land. But how about the fact that you know, it's rare that a quarterback like Cousins becomes available uh, via free agency. The fact that the Jets can't even get a meeting with Kirk Cousins, and and you understand a lot of what Minnesota has going for uh, for themselves over there. But what does that say about where the Jets are three years into the McCagnan Bulls regime that Cousins can't even foresee? I, I guess uh, looking at the Jets as a place where he could win. Well, I think that the the visit and the, and the face-to-face meeting is a little bit overrated. Uh, it would have been a much bigger story if Kirk Cousins and his representatives weren't even interested in negotiating with the Jets. If they just said, hey, look, this is not a place for us. We don't want to go there. Obviously, from a strategic standpoint, that would make no sense because you want to have as many suitors as possible to drive up your price. But when you get to this stage of the game, uh, what free agency you know, less than 24 hours away, and you've been uh, discussing your client uh, both uh, legally and perhaps illegally for the last two weeks with prospective teams, uh, you get a gauge on uh, what a team is thinking, what their plan is. The Jets have obviously, along with Minnesota and Denver and Arizona, obviously laid out what their plan would be, not only for for Cousins in terms of uh, 
contractual parameters, but where they see this organization in terms of how to build up other aspects of the roster. Now, I, I thought all along, this is a Midwestern guy, guy from Michigan. Minnesota is ready-made to win not only in 2018, but they've got a at least a three-year window in my mind when you look at that roster, which is stacked with young players, with players in their prime. Uh, this is a team that came within one game of going to the Super Bowl with Case Keenum, and no disrespect to Case Keenum, but I've always believed that Kirk Cousins is considerably better. I mean, maybe some other people will disagree with that, but uh, you know, my, my take on Cousins is that this is a guy you can win a Super Bowl with. Uh, he might not be an Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady, a player of that ilk, but clearly with the right coaching and the right supporting cast, this guy can deliver and take you to the promised land. Clearly Minnesota thought that as well. So uh, I guess that's just a roundabout way of me answering your question by saying that, hey, look, the Jets aren't where the Vikings are right now. Uh, I, I think they were in the mix. Ultimately, I always thought, given Cousins' makeup, given Cousins' background, uh, and given what he wants to do in the next two or three year window, the Vikings always made more sense than the Jets. Yeah, and uh, and very quickly, uh, Cousins made that apparent here with the the NFL free agency and, and going there on a three year, eighty four million dollar deal. So now for the Jets, uh, they do sign McCown. They're waiting on Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they reportedly sign Isaiah Crowell, the former running back of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, what are you know some of the other significant holes that they are hoping to fill in the next few hours or, or days as everything happens so quickly. Well, cornerback has to be addressed. Uh, there were some decent corners on the market. Uh, actually, the the guy who was projected to be the most coveted corner, Tremaine Johnson, is still out there. I, I don't know if the Jets are going to uh, be willing to pony up the money it's going to take to get Tremaine Johnson. Uh, a guy like Malcolm Butler was another player that they were interested in, but when you look at the deal that he got from Tennessee, $30 million in guaranteed money, that's a lot of money. And I know, hey, you know what, these free agents are probably going to get overpaid, but $30 million guaranteed for Malcolm Butler might be a little bit more than I'd be willing to spend if I were in that Jets front office as well. So uh, they want to bring back Mo Claiborne. That hasn't been a secret. Uh, you know, you've heard that privately. You've heard that publicly as well. We'll see what the market is for him. He's an interesting player because he is a pedigree player who's had a history of injury, who stayed relatively healthy for the Jets last year. I know that the Jets want him back uh, at the right price, uh, but they don't want to stop there. They'd like to move Buster Screen uh, into the slot. They want him to be the nickel corner, so they do need two outside corners. So if you get Mo Claiborne as one guy, maybe you bring in another free agent or maybe you address that in the draft, but that clearly is an area that needs to be upgraded because you've got these two young safeties in Marcus May and Jamal Adams. You want them to to be working with some, some quality players at the cornerback position so you can solidify your secondary. And, and on the other side of the ball, you mentioned Crowell. I think they need to add more playmakers on offense. Maybe they'll do that in the draft. Uh, I, I really thought Allen Robinson would have been a terrific fit for him, but that that, that wasn't in the cards. Uh, they need to get a center. Uh, that's not a flashy position, but they clearly want to upgrade from Wesley Johnson. That's not a secret. Uh, Weston Richburg was a, a player that they were in the mix for before he ultimately signed with the 49ers, or agreed to a deal, I should say, with the 49ers earlier today. Uh, Ryan Jensen, who uh, many people believe is the number one center on this market from Baltimore, he's still available. Let's see if they get him. Uh, I, I really think that when free agency is over, they will have needed to address the cornerback position and the center position. Uh, they've got some in-house guys on the defensive line that they want to bring back at the right price. There's also Demario Davis. Uh, if they don't bring him back, uh, and I think there's some other linebacker options, Austin Safarian Jenkins, another guy that they're interested in. If not, 
they can uh, they can go maybe a cheaper route at, at tight end. I know they love Jordan Leggett's potential, uh, you know, guy who didn't play last year, rookie uh, draft pick of theirs, who uh, they believe can be something if he stays healthy. So uh, a lot of balls in the air, uh, but I think ultimately when you look at the two positions that matter the most in free agency for the Jets, I think you'd have to look at cornerback and center. All right, uh, and that's uh, that's a laundry list, and and probably something Kirk Cousins saw when he was uh, determining Absolutely. where he wanted to go. Uh, and you don't get to play it out and say, "Hey, we're going to sign all these guys and then sign you." And uh, so this is the way it goes for the Jets, and and they're on to Plan B. Uh, but Manish Mehta, the New York Daily News, uh, we appreciate the time and a busy day, Manish. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, Manish Mehta, uh, giving us the latest on what's happening with the Jets. So a ton of work for them to do. Uh, I don't think it would have been a home run to sign Kirk Cousins, but it would have anchored down that position. Uh, the fact that you know they don't uh, have much of a negotiation here with Cousins, maybe some talk uh, in the weeks leading up, I think it just shows where the Jets are as a franchise, that they're not a quarterback away, and the league recognizes that. And I think the fans recognize that as well. It's going to take a number more years for the Jets to be a real contender. And uh, for what, you know, all those holes that they need to fill and, and to go get, you know, a real franchise quarterback. I think that's why, you know, it's worth taking the chance and doing it through the draft. And I know you can name, you know, guys the Jets drafted that haven't worked out. You can name veteran quarterbacks the Jets have signed via free agency or traded for that haven't worked out. They've tried every route, uh, and none of them have really gone well. So at a certain point, you got to throw that out the window. And you know where you have the most upside? It's by drafting a quarterback. Uh, and that that could be tricky uh, for the Jets as well. We'll touch on that. We've got Mets baseball coming up here on 710 WOR at 7 o'clock. Uh, so we'll be right back, get you ready for the Mets, as well as you know how that draft situation stacks up for them. where. It's it, it's getting a, a little dicey, even if you you like the way some things play out. But the Bills are really a team to keep an eye on as they'll try to jump ahead of the Jets. Uh, it's a sports zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten WOR.